0: My senior year of high school, um, it was sometime in the spring, maybe late March, early April. Um, I knew that in a couple of weeks, I was uh, about to move to Nashville. I was gonna go to college. I was gonna pursue this uh, degree in theology. And I remember it was kind of a couple weeks before school got out, before I graduated, that I started to like this girl. And so um, kind of the way that this would go is we'd talk on the phone at night, when I'd see her out in public, I'd flirt with her, see her at school, I'd flirt with her. And this went on for a couple days. And I remember my mom just kind of having this hard conversation with me um, where she she called me in and she said, Brandon, don't date her. (laughs) Um, She's not the type of girl and she is not the girl that that you need to date. Like, she's not the type of girl that's gonna help you follow Christ. So don't go down that path. (laughs) And I remember being so angry at my mom, like, so frustrated that she would stick her big nose in my big business, right, like. And I knew that she was right. But yet there was something inside of me that was so resistant. I don't know if you've ever had one of those moments in life before where someone loves you enough to call it like it is in your life. Or they love you enough to call you to more. Or in their love for you, they, they actually want what's best for you. But isn't it true that it just never feels like that in the moment? It never feels good when someone speaks the hard words into our lives. But the reality is that sometimes we're so hypnotized, like we're so mesmerized by things that will eventually derail us, that we need someone in their love for us to speak the hard words to us. What I love about the story that we're gonna be in this morning in Mark chapter 10 is that Jesus encounters this guy and he is a really good guy. I mean, he is a church going, people love this guy. He is rich and he is so close to fully living his life with God and for God. And in Jesus's love for this man, he won't let this guy settle for an almost life. Christ in his love for this guy does not want him to miss out on the amazing adventure, the things that God has planned for him. I want us to jump into this story mark chapter 10 starting in verse 17 it's page 707 if you're using one of our bibles as jesus started on his way a man ran up to him and he fell on his knees before jesus good teacher he asked what must i do to inherit eternal life why do you call me good jesus answered no one is good except god alone You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared. All these I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus, the son of God, looked at him and loved him. He looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. And so, the first thing that I want us to kind of think about this morning in this story is the man. And here's what I want us to think about when it, in terms of this guy he is an exceptional human being. Like I think if we met this guy, we'd all have this thought, man, this dude is just a better human being than I am. Like, I don't know if you ever met someone like that. I remember when I first moved to Nashville, there was this um, girl that I went to school with, her name was Didi, Dee Dee, and I remember meeting her, and I felt like Hitler compared to her. Like, There's just some people that you talk to them, you're like, man, they're, they're just better than me, like all the way around. And, and I think that's what we would think about this guy. <laughs> you know, in their culture, um, you didn't run. In our culture, you don't really do this unless you're training for a marathon or something, right? Like, Think about this. When is the last time that you ran towards someone out of excitement for them? You think about this. You, we live in like the music city, capital of the United States of the world. It's like, you see your favorite musician, you see Matt Carney out in public. Do you act like an idiot and run towards him? Or you see Marcus Mariota, like walking around Nashville. Do you run to him? No, you played cool, right? You don't want people to think you're stupid. So like you act like you've been there before, right? And yet the picture in in real time what was going on with this guy is that he sees Jesus and he takes off running. Can you picture this? A grown man running in public? Tells us that, that he fell on his knees. And you know, when's the last time that you saw an important wealthy person on their knees in public? You see the humility in this guy? You see the excitement in this guy's eyes to encounter Jesus? I love the conversation that he has with Jesus. And so he looks at Jesus and he says, hey, what do I need to do to be saved? Essentially, he asks Jesus, what do I need to do to go to heaven? And if you haven't been there before, this is a question that a lot of us, we wrestle with. That we come here this morning and we we, kind of go throughout our lives and we just want to know, man, what does it look like for me to really be saved? How do I really step into the kingdom of God? What do do I need to do in order to go to heaven? And Jesus looks at this man and he starts telling him about some of the commandments that God had given him. So you go back, kind of the first of the Bible, back in the book of Exodus chapter 20, God had given his people these commandments. And the reason he gave them these commandments is for their good, to to teach them how to live, to teach them how to live holistically in a way that would bless other people, in a way that would bring honor to God. And so Jesus just starts reeling off these commandments to this guy. He says, you want to know what it means to be saved? He says, honor your mother and your father. And don't steal. And don't commit adultery. And don't murder anyone. And you can just picture this guy as as Jesus is talking. You can just picture a smile coming to his face. Says Jesus, all those things I've kept since I was a boy. And that word for boy, it it means uh, around the age 13. So I want you to think about this for a minute. This guy had been earnestly keeping the commands of God since he was 13. What were you doing when you were 13. (laughs) Did you wake up and you go, okay, today? I'm not gonna lie. Today I'm not gonna covet. I go, this guy was serious about life with God. Like it wasn't just something that he did on Sundays. Like it had consumed his life. That when he was going to elementary school, he wasn't thinking about playing basketball. He was thinking about how he could bring glory and honor and praise to God. I go, man, this guy was exceptional. Think about the way that he treated people. That he he looks at Jesus and he says, All these things I've kept since I was a boy. And you notice that Jesus doesn't say, No, you didn't. Jesus accepts these words. You think about this that that he didn't commit adultery, he didn't murder. It means that that he treated people really well, that he treated his girlfriend really well. And he wasn't this envious person, and he wasn't a liar. He was a good, fair, honest businessman. And he honored his mother and his father. And I go, man, we look at this guy. And we go, he's got it together. This guy's arrived. Yet, this guy knew there was something more that he wanted. There was something in life that he had yet to take hold of. You see, this guy knew there was something missing in him. And the reason we know that is because he sought out Jesus No one ever starts seeking out Jesus when you're content in life. You start seeking out Jesus when you realize there's something missing. Think about how crazy this is. This guy is rich and he's known and he's popular. He has a great reputation and the world tells us that if you have those things, you've arrived. That that's like the, the pinnacle of the human experience. That if you have money and you're known and, and you have all these things and you're a good businessman, you have a great reputation, that, that you'll be satisfied. Dave and I were talking this week, and he was telling me about this interview that he heard a couple of years ago about Tom Brady. Even you guys know Tom Brady is quarterback for the New England Patriots. Um, and they were doing this interview right after he had just won his third Super Bowl. Third Super Bowl, majority quarterbacks in NFL never win one Super Bowl. He won. This is after his third. Uh, that same year, he was named the sexiest man alive. <laughs> uh, he had just married, no kidding, a victorious Secret supermodel. That same year, you know, all the cards were stacked against him that year. Rough life that he's living, and and in this interview after he just won his third Super Bowl, the, the person interviewing looks at him and says, "Hey." You know, you just won your third Super Bowl. You've had a great year. You know, you married this amazing woman. You have all the money in the world. Are you satisfied? And he looked at her and he's, he said, no. She said, are you kidding me? Like, wh- what is it that you're missing? And he looked at her on national television and said, I don't know. <laughs> you see, we see this guy Mark chapter 10, who has arrived and yet he's still wanting. There's something still missing in his life. I want us to look at Jesus for a minute. A couple of things I want us to think about here that what we see in, in these first five verses about Jesus is that he knows him and he loves him. That Jesus knows this man and he loves this man. So Jesus looks at this guy and, and he says, you know, the commandments like, how did Jesus know that this man knew the commandments? Because Christ knows him. He knows his heart. He knows his past. He sees into his mind the things that keep him up at night, the things that are causing stress in his life. He sees the pain and the heartache and the struggle in this guy's life. Jesus Christ is, is fully God. I was reading Job, the book of Job. It's a book kind of in the middle of the Bible. I was reading it a couple weeks ago and and I love what he says. He's, he's talking to God and he says, God, if I, if I go to the heights of the heaven, if I go to the depths of the earth, if I go as far as I can east, if I go as far as I can to the west, you are there and you see me. this picture is that Christ knows him. Christ knows you. He knows the things that are hurting you, the things that are, are, are causing pain, the things that are keeping you up at night. He, he knows you. And he knows me. But it's not that we're just known. We're loved. I love in verse 21, did you notice that? that? That Mark makes it a point to write that, that Jesus looked at him and he loved him. I love that he mentions this because we don't have to wonder at Jesus's motivation or his motives about what he's about to say to this man. You see, Christ, he invites this man all the way into life with him. He looks at this man and he loves him and he knows him and he invites him for his entire life to be consumed with the mission of God. You see, Jesus Christ, in his love for this guy, speaks these words to him. Here is this guy who was so close to fully stepping in, to fully surrendering, to fully enjoying the presence and the promises of God. in Jesus Christ, man, remember the day that this guy was born and he loved him every day of his life. And Christ meets him in this moment and Christ isn't about to let this moment pass because he doesn't want him to settle. He doesn't want him to miss out on the adventure that God has for him. You know, could there be anything worse than going through this life thinking that we're really living in the kingdom of God, but not really living in the kingdom of God? What a tragedy. But I want us to see the the love that Jesus has for this man, the love that he has for us. And so um, I'll tell you this story. I've had a long fear of going to the dentist I think it's, yeah, Parker's like, me too. Um, Or maybe you're saying, yes, you do. I don't know, one of those two. Um, I think it stems from somewhere in elementary school. I went to the dentist and had five cavities. And so every time I go back, I'm just like scared to death. And and so um, I just kind of always go to the dentist. I don't know if you're like this, assuming that something's wrong, like assuming I'm gonna have a cavity. And so uh, I remember going to the dentist one time and I I noticed that he didn't scan my teeth. You know, they make you bite down on that thing and they take a picture. And I noticed that he didn't do that that he's just kind of casually looking around in there. He'd take that, that little devil poker thing and he's like poking my teeth. And, and then he looked at me and he just said, you're good. No cavities. And I'm telling you, it was like the best moment of my life, like better than the day my son was born. Like there's something about that moment that, just, just kidding about that. But there was something about that moment where like I expected something to be wrong and finding out that it wasn't, I was just like, ah, oh, yes. I went to a different dentist about six months later. And I remember um, him looking at one of my teeth and him looking at me and going, hey, you got a real problem. I'm like, what do you mean? He said, yeah, one of, your, one of your teeth in the back, it's in really bad shape. And I'm like, how long has this been going on? He's like, oh, for a long time. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like... I just went to the dentist a couple months ago. He told me nothing was wrong. Like, and I just had one of those moments. Um, and this is what I learned. You know, when something is going on, you don't need someone to, to tell you what you want to hear. Um, you need them to tell you the truth. They need you to, to reveal what's actually going on. You know this story? Um, this is not just about some guy that lived a long time ago. Uh, this is about us finding ourselves in this story about us coming to Jesus and and letting him be really honest about us. I want to ask us a question and, and it might be a little painful for, for some of us. What do you really live for? Like when everything is distilled, when when everything is removed, when Christ pulls back the layers in our lives, what is it at the end of the day that we really want? Is there anything that we love, anything that we trust in, anything that we are consumed with more than Jesus Christ? You know, these are kind of like the hard words from my mom. These are, this is the bad news from the dentist, like, You guys are mad at me for teaching this. I'm mad that this text is in the Bible and and Jesus loves us. Are there things that we love, things that we trust in, things that we are consumed with more than Jesus? You know, our tendency so often when we hear, uh, when we're really honest about that question, our tendency is to be just like this man, to be sad, you see, we have this great ability to see where we are, and yet we know where, we're not, where we, we are not where we want to be. And so often we're sad and discouraged, and we leave here and we hang our heads about the things that Christ has revealed to us. Let's keep going. Verse 23, it says, Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and they said to each other, who can be saved? You know, Jesus doesn't make this situation any better. He doesn't lighten the moment one bit. He makes this statement, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God, how hard it is for anyone to enter the kingdom of God and the disciples go, man, who can be saved? Who has any hope then? If it's that hard to enter your kingdom, God, then then, then who can be saved? I love verse 27. But Jesus looked at them and he said to his disciples, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. And I love this verse because I think it's so crucial for us understanding what we do when Jesus Christ starts revealing the foundation of our lives. You see, when Jesus starts revealing to us the things that are most important to us, when they're anything other than Christ, this verse is so crucial and especially these two words, with God, with God, with God. Joey, when when Christ starts pulling back the layers of your life, Mike, when He starts pulling back the layers of your life, Mike, when He starts pulling back the layers in your life, when when He starts pulling back the the layers in your life, Tyler and Paul, when He starts pulling back the layers in your life, Caleb, when He starts showing us the things that we're trying to build our lives on, what do we do with God? You know, we don't leave in shame. (laughs) and disappointment and condemnation and sadness. No, we, we move closer to God. You know, when, when you go to the doctor and they tell you that there's something going on, when you go to the doctor and they tell you that something is wrong, when you have cancer, when you have some disease, we all know that part of the doctor's job is to diagnose. But what's the other part of the doctor's job? To treat, yeah. Yeah. The doctor doesn't just help us see what's going on. They discover so they can treat it. And yet how often we miss this with God. Maybe some of you, are sitting here right now and as we were thinking about that question, what is most important to you, something immediately came to your mind. You go, man, it's my spouse or it's my kids or it's my job or it's my bank account or it's my car. And so often when when God really starts showing us what's going on in our lives, our tendency is is to let him diagnose us and then to 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 run and to hide our, our, our heads and to bury our heads because we're we're such terrible people. And we don't stay around to let him heal us. With God. With God. I think we have to be really honest about these specific words that Jesus speaks in this text to us. He says how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. You know, the reality is that, that some of us, we are this rich young man. For some of us, our hope and our pleasure and our joy is directly tied to our money. It consumes us. It drives us. When the curtain is pulled back, at the end of the day, what we're really living for is money and we have to let this tension sit in our lives. Let's not run from it. Some of us, though, not everyone in this room loves money more than Christ. Some of you, as you look at your life, you go, man, Christ really is the love of my life. And no one sits on, the th- sits on the throne of my heart like Jesus. And you don't have to pretend like you're this rich young ruler. Some of you guys, he's taking you through this 10 or 15 or 20 years ago. And you look at your life and you go, there's nothing I want more than Jesus Christ. There's nothing that I'm living, more, living for more than his mission. Others of us, man, as, as Christ starts revealing the faulty foundation that we're trying to build our lives on, we, we discover different things. We're not all the same. For some of us, man, what do you love more than Christ? What is your hope and your joy and your trust in? For some of us, it's a desire for a spouse. It's all we think about. And I go, man, what is it ab- about that, that that consumes us? And I think the lie that so often we buy into is that that there is pleasure, there is security, there is joy on the side of marriage that I'm not experiencing right now. This idea that the grass is greener on the other side. And we wake up from sunup to sundown. All we think about is, is getting married, finding that perfect person. For some of us, it's this desire to be known. And this manifests itself in a lot of different ways. It's the reason that you, you're, you're so quick to tell people where you went to school, what your degree is in. You're so quick to tell people how accomplished you are. Your successes in life. And at the root of it is this desire to be liked. This desire to be affirmed for others of us, it's, it is wealth. For those of us, like when when the curtains pull back at the end of the day, that it's really what we're living for. You know, and I find myself in this place so often, I'm not exempt from this. My wife and I live a little outside the city. And so um, a lot of times I I drive into work and I kid you not, I can't remember the last time I drove into work. Every day on the way in, there's all these amazing, nice cars, nice views. And I can't tell you the last time um, that I didn't think, man, I would love to drive a nice truck. And there's nothing wrong with with nice trucks. You have a nice truck, it's awesome. There's nothing wrong with that. But as I started to look into my life, I'm going, why? Like, why do I over and over again have that thought? What is it? I go, why do we constantly think about having a better apartment, a bigger TV, a better house, more in our savings account? You see, Christ in his love for us, He looks at us in this text and he says, man, it is impossible to enter the kingdom of God when our minds and our hearts and our lives are cluttered with things. Good things that God has created, that God has given to us. He says, it's it's impossible for you when when all you think about is, is stuff and yourself. It's impossible for you to live this amazing adventure with God. So, what happens when these discoveries come? When Christ starts revealing these things that are really that we're trying to build our lives on? We press into God. We press into God. We press into God when, when He starts revealing the things that are true about us that are not pretty. And when we press into him, what we discover as as we pray, what we discover as we open the word, as as we encounter the living God, is, is that no one lived a more satisfying and fulfilling life than Jesus. That though he was rich in heaven, he became poor on earth for our sake. That he emptied himself of the fame and the glory and the wealth of heaven and he came to earth. I go, Jesus was the first rich young ruler. And we have the courage to come to him. We go, God, there's there's something missing in my life. There's something that is lacking. We have the courage to get on our knees and fall before him and go, God, would you help me know what's what's missing? And he, he so lovingly speaks to us. Tim, let go of that. And Taylor, let go of that. And Garrett, let go of that. You don't need that money. You don't need that relationship. You don't need that recognition. And in our prayers, we find the one who cheers us on to fully step into the kingdom. The one who doesn't want to take from us, the one who wants to give us the most abundant life with God, with God. When God starts revealing, don't run. Press in. Keep, let's keep going. Verse 28 says, then Peter spoke up. He says, we have left everything to follow you. I go, may God make that true of us. May God make that true of us as a church family here at Ethos. May this be the story that he is writing in our church, in our lives. Let's keep going. Verse 29, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel No one will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and fields, along with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and last first. This is the word of God from Mark chapter 10. Guys, the call of Jesus on our lives, the call to be his disciples is a complete claim on our lives. Not just on our Sundays and not just in the way that we uh, conduct our business and not just in how we treat people. No, Jesus and the advancement of the gospel to people who have not heard of Jesus, to the person sitting right next to you in the cubicle at work, the person that, that sits right beside you in your chemistry class. People who have not experienced the kindness. People who have not experienced the forgiveness. People who have not experienced the love of Jesus Christ. And this is what we were made for. As the people of God, we were made to be people that live the entirety of our lives walking with God in the closest intimacy that we can even enjoy in life. And we were made to help other people step into this life with God. And I want to just say this that there is a joy that comes from walking with God. There is a joy that comes from hearing from God, not just in these big moments in life, but in everyday life. There's a joy that comes from being locked into the Holy Spirit that is found. Nowhere else than in Jesus Christ. There is a bond that exists between people who are living on mission. A bond of encouragement and support and love that you will not find should we choose to keep hanging on to these things in our lives. You see, Christ, because he loves us, is inviting us into the fullest life that we can live. He looks at us and he says, man, Andrew, when your life is uncluttered and devoted to Jesus and the gospel, there's abundant life there and Taylor and Aaron and Drew and Megan, when, when, when your life is uncluttered, when, when you wake up and you think about Christ and all the things that you're thinking about is, is how you can share the gospel with people who don't know Jesus. When, when that is the heartbeat of your life, you're living abundant, saved life at its fullest. And it doesn't mean the hard things aren't gonna come. But Christ looks at us and he goes, Brandon, don't settle for a lesser than life. Don't coast through this life. Thinking about lesser than things. In my own life, I just, I just feel this. I, I've experienced it. There is a difference when Brandon Steele is living an uncluttered life. When the aim of my life is to walk with God and to share the gospel. When it's not just something I do on Sundays, when it consumes my life, I am a different person. And Christ longs for us to be free. Not just as individuals, but as a church. So that when people who don't know Jesus, when when they encounter us, they go, man, there's, there's something different about your life. That the way you spend your money, the way you spend your weeknights, the the way that you treat girls, that there's something intrinsically different about the way that you live than the way I live. And Christ is inviting us into this abundant life. Christ loves us. He loves us, he loves us, he loves us, he loves us. So what do we do with this text? What do we do with these kind of hard words? These uncomfortable words. Here in just a minute, Adam's going to get back up and lead us some more songs and worship. We're going to take communion. There's bread and there's juice scattered all over the room. And I encourage you to to go with whoever it is that you came with. If you didn't come with someone, man, invite the person that you're sitting next to. Hey, take communion with me today. And I want to invite you to do a couple of different things. If you're a follower of Jesus, as you take communion, I want to invite you to pray to pray in community. God, are there things in my life that I need to part ways with so that I can be fully alive in the kingdom of God? That as we're taking communion, that that you would have the courage to pray this. God, are there things in my life that we would come to Jesus the same way this rich young ruler did? If there are things lacking in our lives that we'd fall on our knees and go, God, are there things in my life that are keeping me from fully stepping in the kingdom of God? and ask God, God, would you help me to trust you as I let go of them? So we're asking him two things. God, would you show me and then would you help me to let go? And I invite you, that we're in this together, I invite you, the second thing is to, to share this with someone. And so you might have uh, the Holy Spirit might reveal something in your time of communion and prayer or it might be Tuesday morning on the way into work where God's gonna help you see the thing that you're trying to build your life on, the thing that you're really living for. And I hope that in that moment you see that Jesus is doing this for his love for us because he doesn't want us to, to almost get it. He doesn't want us to, to, to just taste this life. He wants us to feast in this life to fully come alive. If you're not a follower of Jesus, Man, Christ longs for you to know him, love him. He desires to save you, to set you free, to use you for his glory. I don't care what you did last night. I don't care what you've been doing the past 10 years. There is grace in the arms of God. And there's abundant grace among the people of God. Every single one of us, followers of Jesus, we are so sinful and so broken. This is a safe place for you. I invite you, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I invite you to pray. If you've never prayed before, I just invite you to close your eyes and to sit there as we sing a few more songs and just to ask God, God, I wanna know you. Help me to know you. And see what happens. See the way that that God pursues your heart. And if you're curious about the the way that God has been working, if you have questions, there are going to be some men and women at the respond banner in the back when we stand up and sing. And if if you want someone just kind of help, point out some of the ways that God is working in your life. And we believe that, that God is working constantly. That every single person, if you are here this morning, you are known by God and you are loved by God and he's pursuing you because he, what he wants more than anything is to set you fully alive. And if you want some help, seeing the ways that God is working, come talk to one of us. Come find me after we get done today. I'm being serious. If, if you're not a follower of Jesus, and I would love to sit down and have a cup of coffee with you. I'd love to, to sit down and listen to your story and to help you see. I'm being dead serious. If, if you want to talk, I would love to talk. Andrew would love to talk. Kasha and Isaac would love to talk. Come find us. My mom spoke those words to me. I listened to her. I didn't date that girl. Thank you, mom. Um, will we have the courage? Will we have the humility to receive the words from God? To trust Him? Let's pray.